Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 30, week 30, volume 30, number fucking 30. How has your week been, guys? Hope it's been great. Hope you're excited. We've got a big, exciting show ahead. We've got all the Mosh news. We've got Mosh reviews. And our Mosh interview this week is with Carl of First Blood. All of that is coming up in the show. Let's kick things off like we do every week, and that is with the Mosh News. Unify Gathering 2019 announced its lineup. The lineup includes Under Oath Carnival, In Hearts Wake, Ocean Grove, While She Sleeps, Crossfaith, Dream on Dreamer, The Plot in You, Hand of Mercy, Dream State, Drown This City, Ocean Sleeper, Better Half. That's all on the Friday. Saturday's lineup is Taking Back Sunday, Trophy Eyes, State Champs, Turnstile, Citizen, Wax, Clowns, Endless Heights, Harm's Way, Stand Atlantic, Thornhill, Pagan, Gravemind, Aftertouch, Yours Truly. The festival is taking place January 11th, 12th and 13th in the Gippsland area of Victoria, Tickets and bundles and VIP packages are available now. Make sure you get a ticket if this is your kind of lineup. Personally, I went to the first few years of Unify because it was very exciting. It was a very heavy lineup and it kind of catered to everyone's needs in the heavy genre. Unify advertises itself as a heavy festival, but you look at that lineup, I don't know what you'd really consider heavy. You'd definitely say While She Sleeps, without a doubt. You'd say Turnstile and Harm's Way and Gravemind. Really, that's about it. It's very underwhelming and unfortunately, with a lot of the negative media press that the festival has had, not only on the lineup itself, but also with the announcement of I Kill the Prom Queen and then the removal of I Kill the Prom Queen... I don't know. I think Unify is slowly going to die a painful death. Very sad to see, but when you see a lineup like this and you see a festival change gradually on its fifth or sixth year now, I think we're seeing that the festival knows that if it wants to sell tickets successfully and right, it needs to aim itself at more of the mainstream styles of music more of the pop sensibilities more of the emo sensibilities that's why you see bands like under oath carnival in hearts wake taking back sunday and trophy eyes them being the headliners really does say it in itself but if you want to get along get yourself a ticket tickets are on sale now as i said and the festival is taking place in the start of january next year Now, speaking of tours, the Bronx have announced that they will be coming back to Australia in October and they're doing a very extensive tour of the country. They'll be bringing high tension and private function along for the ride and it all kicks off on Thursday the 18th of October at the Trifford in Brisbane and then wraps up on Wednesday the 31st of October at the Croxton Band Room in Melbourne. Bronx are a phenomenal band and a phenomenal live band. If you've seen the guys before, you know you're in for a great show. If you haven't caught them before, get along to a show. You're not going to be disappointed. And it's great to see the Bronx do get down to Australia as often as they can. It all kicks off in October. 
It's the Bronx High Tension and Private Function. Make sure you get a ticket. We also got tour news from Soilwork. They will be smashing up only just a couple of shows, three in fact, early next year. They'll be in Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne, taking place on the 14th, 15th and 16th of March. It is all courtesy of Hardline Media. Along with the tour, we do know that this will be off the back of an upcoming album coming out next year from Soilwork. If you want to get a ticket, make sure you get a ticket soon. Those shows will sell out quick. Suicidal Tendencies have announced a new album will be coming out on September the 7th and they also revealed the first single. The album will be called Still Cairo. After all these years, it will be released off their own label and they did release the title track as the first single. The thrash metal crossover punk legends themselves will be hoping to really try and get back some of the success that they haven't really seen for quite a while. But Suicidal Tendencies still pumping out some great music. Make sure you check out that artwork and that song. Antagonist AD have unleashed another Mosh Frenzy song. The song is called APMD. It is through their record label Grayscale Records. Make sure you scope that out. Great to have the Antag boys back. Japanese band Crystal Lake released a music video for their new track called The Circle. Make sure you check that out. That's a bit of metalcore goodness to get in your ears. Max, Cavalera and Soulfly are coming back with their 11th album and it will be called Ritual. It is going to be released October 19th through Nuclear Blast Records. They also unleash the first single, Evil Empowered. So being honest, I kind of don't really see the fascination with Soulfly. I did enjoy their first two albums when they were released, but then I've kind of waned off them. I do think the song has some good grooves in it, but for me, Max just, it feels tired, feels worn out, and it feels like it's lacking imagination. So, Soulfly, Ritual, October 19th, make sure you check that out, and also don't forget the first song off it called Evil Empowered. British Boys God Complex have unleashed a furious new song called Breeding Filth. That is going to come from their new EP coming out in October, which is called Created Sick. God Complex are another band from England that you need to get your fucking head around. Amazing talent, amazing band, hot, up and coming. And it continually makes me wish that Australia had a bit more exciting things going on. I think England's just showing the way it needs to be done. So make sure you check out God Complex. Make sure you check out the song Breeding Filth. Last bit of news this week is that Terror are coming back with a new album. It will be called Total Retaliation. It's going to be released September 28th through Pure Noise Records. To coincide with the news, they also released a first single for Mental Demolition. This is Terror as Terror Do. Great song, 
really, really sexy riffage. Nice song too that it only goes for about two minutes. It's got a great little two-step breakdown at the end. Terror sound like they're in great form. So can't wait to get hold of that album. As I said, the new album is called Total Retaliation, September 28th. New song is called Mental Demolition. And all of that is through Pure Noise Records. So that's it for the Mosh News. Now, of course, if you want to look at that artwork, if you want to check out those music videos, those singles, if you want to look at that tour news and find the links and information for all of that, make sure you are getting on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure you're getting on all of those because we update you with the news as soon as we get it. It's now time for Mosh Reviews. First up this week is a new album by Sorpton called Monument of the End, out now on Sumerian Records. These guys are from Sweden and this is their third effort. Now, what do Sorpton deliver? They deliver a very brutal, very technical side of death metal and they're a band that are definitely hoping on this third release to ascend to the upper echelons of the tech death world. And with this album, I think they might have just achieved it. This album is unforgivably heavy. It's brimming with technical swagger. And it constantly demonstrates a band that don't pull punches. They are going for the throat from the offset. There is a flurry of neck-snapping riffs, blistering drumming, dazzling solos, and the guttural vocals are vicious and laced with anger, bite, and spite. There is so much going on in every song that creates an intense nature, and you can't do anything but headbang along and really, really appreciate it. This band certainly, as I said, they have very technical abilities they have the chops to pull it off but they don't let go of that brutal sound as well there is a few hidden things going on here that surprise you like some orchestral synths and then that goes with some razor sharp riffing all of this is crushing and it's sinister and it's really well done I was really quite surprised I hadn't heard of them before I got this album But now I have, I've gone back into their discography. This album, Monument of the End, certainly isn't reinventing the wheel when it comes to technical death metal or death metal. But this album demonstrates that this band knows exactly what their strengths are. They operate on them perfectly and they deliver a punishing listening experience that is entertaining from start to finish. Unforgivably heavy relentlessly fast, packed with massive technical brilliance. This was really exciting, really strong, and I really, really recommend it if you like your technical death metal, your death metal, and just brutality. This is for fans of the tech death world. The album I am talking about is Monument of the End. It is by Sorapton. It is out now on Sumerian Records. And we do give it an 8.5 out of 10. 
Next up for review is the new release by Hadal Mal called Charlatan, out now. So the band are from Melbourne. They play a mixture of tech death metal and progressive death metal. And this is their first release since 2017's Ulm. So this EP is five tracks and no track is under five minutes long. Hadal Mal are a band that have become highly renowned and highly loved with fans and critics alike for not only their music but also their live performances. On Charlatan, the band have taken the raw, evil and dark elements that they've previously teased and played around with and really brought it forward and run with it and made it a big part of their arsenal. This time around also, the band have chose to tone down the polished, very slick sounding production and gone for a more gritty, raw tone and it really works well. The overall impression I got from this EP is that the band have finally established their clear identity that they want. Yes, their influences are known, but no longer are those influences detracting or repetitive or overstaying. This band finally sound like themselves. Musically, the band is very unforgiving, and very complex at the same time. It's intellectual, it's beautiful, and it's brutal. They give you time signatures that are all over the place and hectic as hell. There's blast beats, there's riffage that sounds like a chainsaw, and it's savage, frenzied vocals over the top. If I have to say anything negative at all, is that unfortunately this time around, none of the riffs or solos really stuck around for me. None of them really embedded themselves as previous. That's really just nitpicking. Hadal Mal have definitely created something fascinating, something heavy and something engaging. Let's hope that this band keep growing, keep getting the support they deserve and grow internationally as well. This is a band that you could definitely see touring Europe, touring America. And definitely big things ahead. This is for fans of technical skill with dark moods and brutality. This is for fans of Psychroptic, Rivers of Nile, Zeolite, Meshuggah, Carcass. What we are talking about is Charlatan. It is by Hadal Mal. It is out now and we do give it an 8 out of 10. Our final review this week is the new one by Outright called Holler. So this Melbourne female-fronted hardcore band have finally released their first taste of music in over four years. While it has taken four years to get some new music, the band have still been active on the live scene and have still been growing their reputation with each step that they take. This is a band that I think everyone must listen to and must get into, especially if you enjoy your hardcore. Outright are the kind of band that have a very strong message. They have a purpose behind every lyric, every song. And it's really refreshing and is a must need in today's fucked up world and fucked up musical landscape. Finally, we have a band that sing about racism, sexism, violence and more. We also have an Australian band finally doing it. This music, this band is powerful and not only is it in the music but it's in the lyrics as I said. 
The songs are filled with rage, anger, swagger, and groove. There's so much two-step. There's so much bounce. It's thrashy. It's metallic. And it's all in the hardcore bracket. All of this music is pit-ready music. These songs will go off amazing live. Only negative, if you have to have any negative, is that after four years of waiting for new music, I really wish we got more than four songs, because Holler is unfortunately only four songs. So this EP leaves you wanting more, and it gives you a taste, and you just hope that what they do next is a full-length release. As I said before, I think Outright are without a doubt essential for the Aussie hardcore scene and the Aussie heavy music scene overall. And this band should attract fans not only of hardcore but of all styles. Outright have so much going for them and so much potential. The Mosh Zone back them hard and so you should also. This is for fans of music with passion Music with purpose and a message. This is for fans of hardcore, hardcore punk. This is for fans of metallic, groove-laced hardcore. This is for fans of No Warning, Comeback Kid, Reactions, Alpha Omega, Get The Shot. The release we are talking about is Holler. It is by Outright. It is out now. And we do give it an 8.5 out of 10. So that's it for Mosh Reviews, done and dusted this week. What did you think of our reviews? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Get in touch. Is there something that's come out that we haven't reviewed yet that you think we really should review? Get in touch. Are you in a band? Have you got an EP or an album coming out? Get in touch. If you want to get in touch, you can send us an email. The email address is themoshzone at gmail.com. Hit us up on our social medias. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are at The Mosh Zone. Or you can get in touch through the website, which is www.themoshzone.com. Get in touch. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. It's that time of the show. It is time for Mosh interviews. Now, this week, I got the massive opportunity and massive honor to sit down and have a sick chat with Carl of First Blood. Thank you so much, Carl. What an opportunity to get to know all about him, all about music, all about the bands he's been in, and just an insight into what makes him tick. I really, really am appreciative, Carl, that you were able to set aside a bit of time in your busy, busy schedule. Thank you so much. So, enough with me rambling. Our chat with Carl is coming up now. Do you remember what age or kind of what time of your life you were when you discovered that there was something that was music? Not necessarily heavy, but kind of just anything that was music orientated. Uh, I mean, I can't say I came from like a totally musical family, but like, you know, when I was I was growing up, I used to go to my, I guess my cousin's. And they, uh, one of my cousins had a big drum set and he, he, but he only, I mean, I knew he did like marching band kind of stuff. And then he probably had a drum set in the house for like messing around with like rock and roll kind of stuff. Then, uh, I must've been like six or seven when I saw that, you know, maybe five, I don't even remember. I was super young. Like I definitely couldn't 
you know, I couldn't like barely hold sticks or anything like that. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that was, that was just like on holidays, but like around the house, it's like my dad was like way in a classical music and he had me and my sister both playing violin when we were, you know, as old enough as they would put it in school. So my sister started like a couple years before me. So I probably started when I was like seven. And that was like the first thing that got me playing music, like instruments with like strings on them, you know? So I, I started with that and then would try other things like guitar and bass. And I mean, that's pretty much where it all started. I think if you, if I think back now, what about heavy wise, like, or rock or metal was what was your gateway band at the time being a young kid? Mm, probably Def Leppard. Oh fuck yeah! Which uh. which album though? <laughs> it was Hysteria, so it's like yes. I'm the I'm a poser Def Leppard fan, but like <laughs> I'm not like an OG. <laughs> but it was my my cousin, like one of my other cousins. He's like, you got to check out this band Def Leppard. I'm like, okay. And it's like you know you listen to it now, and it's like. It's like birthday cake compared to like death metal you know it's, it's like dude's got one arm playing drums it's all like you know ballads and stuff but like that was like one of the, those first kind of things that just got me into like i guess harder rock you know there's and no, from there it was there's like there's no shame with death leopard man like they they've written some of the the best ballads probably in that genre i mean i was the same i loved that album that, that album was the that, tits that album is great, you know, and I was just out to dinner like for a few days. Uh, I'm not seeing my son right now. And like before I, I flew here, it's like I was at this restaurant. I go to all the time and they must have like some kind of Spotify playlist and that hysteria. And like, I guess it was hysteria. That was the only song they were playing off that album. I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is like one of the first albums I ever I ever got my hands on and like in a tape player and like just just destroying this cassette tape over and over and over again but man it was it was that hard rock that that was like the precursor for like metal music for me because it was like Def Leppard into Guns N' Roses into probably like Metallica and who knows what else after that you know like pretty much like the the core thrash metal bands of the like the early 90s you know, so you you grew up in started. you grew up in Long Island, if I'm correct in thinking that, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. My dad was from the city, but he didn't want us growing up out there, so he bought a house out on the in the suburbs where there was nothing to do. So all I did was like, you know, buy cassette tapes and play guitar and bass. And how was every it? Night. How was it in the house? Because I know you've spoken previously that you know your dad was a military man. I mean, how was he with music? You said he got you into violin and stuff, but I mean, was he accepting of your taste in music, or did he just see it as uh, he's listening to that satanic shit? He, oh my god, he loved classical music, but he hated he hated this hard rock, heavy metal. You know, he hated it. <laughs> he did not like it. You know, so I'd have to like, you know, if he left for work or if he left at night, I'd have to like, I'd have to like savor every moment I could get to like blast some music and, you know, learn a riff or two that night or something like that. That's, you know, he did not approve (laughs) to say the least, (laughs) you know. Um, What about instruments wise? Was he okay with you playing guitar and bass or did he want you to stick to the classical? 
Oh my God, no, he hated it. He wanted to, all you'd yell at me was to practice my violin. <laughs> That's all I heard. Jeez. Yeah, it sucked. And that probably drew, drove you to the heavier style more, probably as well, the rebellion kind of thing. Oh yeah, of course. Of course. So you know. what about, you know, you obviously, your career has spanned in the style that people call it is hardcore, but do you remember the, where did you discover that hardcore was kind of calling to you do you remember the band or do you remember a moment why hardcore for you uh, i don't know i can't remember like a you know i mean it's like a probably a time in my life it's like right when i was like my later years in high school probably right before i graduated and it's like that's when i started seeing shows and seeing that that's like what you see at a show at a hardcore show is much different than like at least anything that I'd seen before. You know, I mean, I, I, my first big concert was like a Pantera concert. It was just tons of people, you know, just smashing each other and pretty much like crowd surfing. And like, it was just like a big, I mean, it was, it was amazing for me to see at the time, but it was like, when you see a hardcore show and there, it was like much smaller level and it was like people trying to sing along to the songs rather than just, you know, beat the crap out of each other. And it was just seemed, it just seemed like more of like a direction rather than like a controlled chaos kind of thing. You know, mm, like well, it's hard to explain because well, I definitely came from like, that's all I listened to was metal and, and grindcore and crossover stuff for, you know, like a, a lot, like when I was like, learning how to play guitar and getting into heavy kind of shit in like my earlier high school years, you know? Well, it's kind of a state but, of uh, mind, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people, you know, they, they say that hardcore offers a state of mind. It off, offers a sense of community and kind of um, feeling like you belong. I mean, metal does the same, but I think hardcore <laughs> offers a different tinge of that, if that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Maybe it, it hit me like, um, uh, I mean, I could definitely remember when I got my first like Madball tapes and really getting in the sick of it all. So it was like, it was a lot of the New York stuff that really got me into the vibe. Mm. Like I was like, man, this is like, okay, I could feel like it definitely, there's a different vibe than like listening to like a metal record where it's like okay you you got the intro you're waiting for the solo and then you know it's got some kind of finale like like it was a different mindset from when i was like way into like you know metal when then when you get in the hardcore it's like you you, you tend to concentrate a lot more on what they're talking about and yeah. then that's when i started reading lyrics you know so but going back to the instrument side of things did you you said you spent a lot of time just because you were kind of isolated with where your dad moved you, did you spend a lot of time just teaching yourself or were you getting lessons? Because I'm guessing lessons were not an option. So was it all self-taught for you? That was, yeah, I learned pretty like early on, like when I picked up a guitar and picked up a bass at night, it's like, you know, I, I, used to, I can't remember the name of these books that you'd buy and they would have tabs for like songs like, I think I had one for Injustice for All. I had a book for like all the Guns N' Roses albums. They, they teach you the guitar cabs, tabs for like solos and riffs and whatever melodies in the song. I'm like, 
you know, I would re- I would look through them and read it, and then I'd listen to the song, and I'd be like, wait, wait a second, like, you know, I, I I don't think Slash put these numbers down on the on the on the tabs, and then you read it, and then you it's like it's just a book by some dude who listened to the records and be like, okay, this is, I think what they're playing. Mm. And then I would be like, man, this guy's, this guy's got a couple of riffs wrong here. Like the, the numbers are wrong or it's a misprint. So I'd be like, all right, if, if some dude's listening to this and then writing it down and getting a book published, like I got, man, I'm, I'm just going to learn these on my own. It's like, I would just sit down and listen. I think of, of all the cassette tapes I've had, like metal records. And then later the hardcore ones, like I used to be able to sit down and play each record, like front to back along with like on bass guitar or it was mostly bass guitar at the time. Like, you know, th- th- there's like, uh, like when you hear that, when I see those records come out nowadays, when they put like injustice for all, and they have like a bass track as like a tribute to like Jason Newsted. I was like, <laughs> when I was in high school, <laughs> I was playing that record front to back on bass. Like pretty much every Metallica record I'd play along to and Slayer and Pantera you know, and then by the by the time I got into hardcore, I was like, okay, like I kind of like I put the bass down, <laughs> you know, so to speak. Like I was definitely paying attention to more of what they were saying. But yeah, I would li- I would listen to records at home, just figure out all the songs and just play along. And then, like if I didn't get the song right, I would stop it, <laughs> rewind it, and like I would just have to listen to stuff. And that's how I that's how I learned how to play is like by learning how to play the songs of like bands that I loved. So you kind you know, of you created your own musical ear then, basically. I kind of had to, I guess. It's like it's the only thing that made me feel good. Like growing up where I did at the time, it was like I'd come home from school and there was, you know, I had no car and like it was it was like a suburb where I you can't just get on your, you know, get on your bike and go to some, you know, community center and meet up other dudes who were playing, you know, in a band or something. Like I was just on my own. So it's like it was, I learned how to listen to stuff and almost be able to imagine the notes they're playing down on the bottom string or whatever, just by kind of hearing the tuning or something like, you know, I, it's like, I mean, I was like a nerd. That's all I did, you know? So it's like, that's, that's what passed the time, but it was, it was, it was fun for me. You know? I fucking love doing it, you know? So were you, would you call yourself uh, alternative kid during your high school years? I mean, were you seen as an alternative kid or were you kind of just not really showing that you were into this kind of music? How was it growing up in such a secluded school? I mean, it was actually a very big high school. Like my school district was actually really big. It's just that when I grew up, I was, I, I don't know if I was like a loner, but like I just didn't have like the access to get around and, and meet up with people. So I just stayed at home and did all my things together. But like the kind of music I'd be into was like when I was growing up, you know, you'd call a dude with like long hair wearing like an overkill t-shirt or something like that. You'd call him a dirt bag. That was just like the name of a dude you call like who was in the metal and whatever. And just wore like a leather jacket or some heavy metal t-shirt. Like I definitely did not look like that. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have, I didn't have long hair. I didn't wear like, you know, Metallica shirts to school every day. Like I was like a normal, typical sports playing dude. Like I, I played baseball and like game days I'm wearing like a shirt and tie, you know, I was like a good student. Like I definitely didn't fit the mold of like a, you know, a fucking dirt bag. <laughs> and, but, and when you know, did you, when did you move to California? Because 
if am I right in thinking that California is where like your music career kind of all started steamrolling? Mm. It's hard to say. Like, I mean, I, I when I graduated my high school, like I didn't like Long Island so much, so I I did the next worst thing I could do, and I, I moved up like upstate in New York, like Western New York, where it was like farms and even, I mean, it was like one extreme to another. Like <laughs> I graduated with like, my graduating class was like something like, you know, 1200 kids or something like that. Like it took four hours for them like to read all the names or something at my graduation thing. And then I went to a college in a town that was like 4,000 people total. Whoa. So it's like, I was like, yeah, I was like, fuck. <laughs> so like, I, I definitely, <laughs> In a smaller town like that, you know, I definitely met a bunch of dudes who were into like punk rock and, you know, and, and hardcore and a few metal dudes and played in some bands around there, but never really did much, you know, just, uh, just to do it for fun and, and then, you know, and just pass time and meet people and, you know, and I, I spent four years there just thinking like, okay, I went one extreme to another and I had just from friends who had moved to San Francisco right after they had you know you know they, they were like just move to california i was like what? like i had no idea you know i was like you crazy and then i was like all right 10 seconds later i changed my mind and and i i guess when you say like i moved out there to california later on of course yeah that's where we started first blood but i guess my whole first year there i still didn't know anyone in, in the hardcore scene i would go to shows there like alone and just run around and kung fu people and <laughs> you know get thrown to the ground by people i didn't know you know i mean i don't know how i, I guess it was like i met the sworn vengeance dudes out there and that's when i like i i kind of met the network of hardcore kids around northern california like the bay area then it all branched out from there yeah and the sworn, but, uh, the sworn vengeance time was kind of it was an inter- interesting band when you look back on it because um, they were doing the band were trying to do a lot of stuff that they didn't want to be lumped into the mold of everyone else. Um, how was how was that period for you? I mean, you obviously you were saying you were networking a lot, so you were learning the ropes as per se. But were you also learning that you know this is something you want to do? Was it around this time that you went, "Yep, yeah, music's for me." Mm. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely put a lot of time and effort into like, you know, into the into the band, and we did a lot of small tours and trying to like make a name for this small band in the Bay Area. Like it was, you know, they they were known around the you know the neighborhood, but like, you know, we get in a minivan or something and or fly out to New York and like have no shows booked or something and just try to make things happen and do shit like that. So it was definitely rougher that kind of shit. But I mean, it was like, a, it was a struggle. Just, uh, we did it all ourselves and I can't say it was a, a time where I'd be like, yeah, that's what I want to do. It's just like, there was a lot of passion with everybody. Like we all worked and then put our own money into like recording and then, you know, the self, you know, like sort of like self-producing all the CDs and stuff like that. And, you know, no labels, no nothing, just, you know, everyone, everyone was pretty focused on it. So that was, that was a good, like the vibe was like super cool like that. Like it, it definitely had, you, you felt the passion with the people in the band at the time, you know, and it was, it was fun and, 
but of course, you know, there's like drama with stuff unrelated to music and, you know, I guess, I don't know how you call just like scene related stuff like that. And that kind of tore the band apart at the time that combined with the fact that I guess the band had been going in like a, a way more like metallic direction that was like ahead of like, I guess at the time, like a lot of bands weren't really doing it. It wasn't just popular to be like, like be more like metalcore, but I guess like a mosh metalcore thing at the time. So people kind of like, they didn't, they didn't back it at all. And then the band kind of fell apart. And then years later, it was like a lot of bands were doing that same kind of style. Yeah. That's the and thing like, now. Fuck. Now there are bands yeah, that was, you, you hear a lot of people, you know, they're one of those bands that after it's all gone away, people are now going, Oh yeah. You know, did you ever hear the sworn vengeance album called domination and all of this stuff? I mean, it's quite, it's quite ironic that, nowadays kids are using online to discover stuff like that that's one of the powers of the internet now i guess yeah it's it definitely changed things up like when i was a kid it's like you you heard what you heard from a friend Mm. a dirtbag or something like that hey man you hear that band (laughs) sepultura they got this album called beneath the remains it's the fastest double bass i've ever heard in my life you know it's like (laughs) you hear you hear the legends the stories you know by, by the campfire it's like that that kind of like mystery and like allure was was fucking awesome back then before you could just get on the internet and pretty much you know listen to a, a thousand bands that day yeah <laughs> until like you're uh, you know until you're numb but you know i mean it's it, it, it's hard to i mean it's hard to comment on that kind of because now it's a different time but mm. if i if i think back to like how music changed around I guess the fact that, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm definitely not putting like, you know, any of the bands I was in earlier as like, all right, these are bands that were doing it before anybody else. Like, not at all. You know, just that, you know, when you think about Sworn Vengeance, like kind of, you know, breaking up that first time, like early 2000s or 2000, it's like, yeah, no one was digging that music, like that more melodic, like, I don't know, more, not guitar solos, but like more guitar work, like people weren't digging it. And I get it, you know, it's just, it wasn't the vibe at the time, you know, and then when bands later on were doing it, I never thought back thinking like, man, I wish we had this kind of vibe, you know, it's, it's just the way it rolled. But I think it definitely, it, it, it for the time, being in a band it was focusing on being more metal and then it fell apart and we were like, like, fuck, you know, that like inspired us to, to start like doing shit that was just more raw, like straight to the point mm. in a way that, that, that was like, that's why first blood happened. It's like, we were like, fuck, we were putting so much time in this band and, you know, like being like so precise and with recording and really re- practicing and, being devoted to like this more metallic path and whatever people didn't like it. Okay. All right. So we were just like, we did our best, you know, we're not complaining. It's just what happened. But now it's like, all right, we're going to start something. And I was like, fuck, I don't even want to do this. Like I was kind of over it. But then, it, then when it was like, all right, no, you should sing instead of play bass. That's when I was like, fuck. Okay. At first I was like skeptical, but then it definitely, Sorry, if I'm going to scream, we'll just do this straight up. Like, no, you know, no, uh, let's not make this like some super metallic production. Just like 
straightforward, just heavy, simple, you know, aggressive and raw. pretty direct with like lyrics and stuff like that. Yeah, just like a raw kind of vibe, you know, and it's maybe it's because we were focusing on so much of that metal thing, which is like, when you think about it, I was like way in a hardcore, but then we're focusing way on this like kind of like metallic vibe. It was maybe, maybe it was like a clash in my, in my own like philosophy in my head about like what I was really trying to do. Like, especially for a live hardcore band, it's like, I just wanted to get back into that live raw kind of, you know, connection with like kids who can relate to what you're screaming about. So how, that's where first blood how came, was you know? It, um, how was it starting doing vocals though? I mean, did you, did you kind of just not really give a fuck and just said, right, I'll do this because this is what I can do? Or, you know, did you feel like, mm, you know, I've been kind of sitting there on the stage to the left or the right, not much attention to me. Now I'm in the spotlight. There's a bit of pressure. Well, what year is it now? 2018. Sometimes I walk up on stage. I'm like, fuck, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> like, I'm, you know, it's like, my, is my voice going to blow out today or am I going to like, uh, completely fumble when I'm trying to just say hi to, you know, the fucking dudes in the front row. Like if you can imagine what I'm feeling now in 2018, like in 2002, 16 years ago, you can imagine how fucking lost I was. Like I never sang in a band before. I didn't even know what I was going to sound like. Like, what do you, what do you, what does your voice sound like? I'm like, I don't know. I've never been in a band like this. Like, you want to hear my record collection of uh, <laughs> vocalist experience? Like, no, there's, you know, so it's like, what are you going to sound like? And what are you going to, how are you going to scream? What are you going to scream about? Like, well, I'm vegan. I'm straight edge. I'm way into earth crisis. There's a fucking bee flying around me in the room. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, uh, yes. Well, what were you into? I'm like, I love earth crisis. I love sick of it all. I, uh, I love hate breed. These, these was a, like probably if you were going to ask me at the round the time, like what are your favorite bands? Those are my top three, top five would be like Madball and, and, uh, I don't know at the time, like trying to think what I was listening to back then. But besides the point, it's like, all right, so it's like when we were doing our demo, that's when I was finding out what I was going to sound like. So I would just start screaming as loud as I, as I could. And that's that's just where it all happened. Like, I, I, I guess this is what I sound like. You know, like, what are you writing about? I don't know. Look at the lyrics. And it's everyone's like, okay, that's probably a vegan song. And this is, well, that's probably about straight edge. That's all, that's how it started, you know, just all the dudes were straight edge when we started the band. Well, not our drummer. He was just like a dude I knew, like a metal guy. Did you um, like the sound of your voice when you started out? Like when you first heard it, did you go, yeah, okay, yeah, not bad? Or did you sit back and go, fuck, is anyone going to like this? <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't know what to do. So at first I tried to sound like Hatebreed. <laughs> and then like the more <laughs> the more takes I would do in the studio, my voice would just go back to its natural you know like where you know where its level would be and it's it was way in the at the higher range like and and i was like fuck i i, I guess i'm not meant to sound like hate because i can't do that low shit it's, it was hard and uh well you should well the way it ended on those last takes that sounds fine i'm like yeah that's that sounds like the only way i could really do it and keep <laughs> screaming 
and like, yeah, it actually sounds like you scream. I'm like, I fucking hope so. Like <laughs> I want it to sound like someone is walking around with a bowling ball and then I drop it on accident on my foot and I scream in pain. So it sounds aggressive. Not like, a, you know, like a guy who's doing vocal lessons in the back room and trying to get that, you know, that precise metal range or, you know, like something that sounds too, uh, perfect. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, too rehearsed or too, like, uh, manufactured, like, you know, you can definitely, there's a difference between metal dudes and hardcore dudes, like, in a way, like, that's a whole other, another discussion, like, I definitely admire metal dudes who can go up there and scream for two-hour sets at festivals, you know, but, like, this was hardcore for me at the time, and, like, I just want to sound pissed off, and, you know, and I guess the way we, after, I don't know how many takes we did in the studio, me blowing out my voice, like, the way it ended up on our demo is like pretty much the way I found out like how this is it's gonna be, you know. And that was it's that was that was an interesting time for you because you start up first blood and you release that EP, um, and then for a period there you join Terra as well and you're playing bass, so you were kind yeah. of, you were kind of doing dual duties, and I mean, I know that you probably don't want to discuss why you left Terra because uh, there's some few things probably floating around the net. So I don't really want to talk about anything negative. Um, but was Terra an enjoyable time for you or was it, you had to just get out and kind of focus on first blood? Well, I mean, that was definitely a huge like time in my life, like a life changing moment, like just, I mean, at the time, it's like, yeah, we started First Blood to 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 to, to take off from this other band that we had that you know when Sworn Vengeance fell apart, we still kind of wanted to do something. Uh, it, we did that, and it, and it was it was fun. That was our that was our baby. We was like, all right, fuck, this is we're feeling this vibe. This is great. We we have another project, and we we, we the guys together, they all feel it, and, and that's a good feeling. Like I, I definitely started. I don't know how many bands in the past where you just you can just tell after a few practices, a few you're just like, no one's really feeling it. I don't feel it. So this we had something special. It felt good. And then uh, just a few months after we put our demo out, maybe like two or three months, and that's when our guitar player's like, yeah, I'm gonna start touring with Terror. They need a, a second guitar player. I'm like, oh fuck. All right, <laughs> I guess we're not really gonna play shows so much and that's whatever that's fine you know we, we didn't start the band to like to to, to be a full-time thing like we just we just wanted fun. to put songs out we play san francisco we didn't think we'd even play like i remember when we got our first show in la that's like a four hour you know it's like a decent drive away from san francisco like it's like all right fuck all right cool we're playing la like most northern bands at the time like didn't really play southern california like that much you know like these sworn venice like we rarely would play like southern california like it was like a lot of bay area shows or you know you'd go up to like the northwest or something like that in seattle portland so it's like at that time we didn't we weren't so serious about the band like when when other things came up like when the when when uh big doug started playing in terror we were like okay we're not gonna play so much then they needed a bass player and he would call me up at work every day when he was on tour. Finally, he called me up. He's like, Hey, we 
they got rid of their bass player. I'm like, oh, that sucks. He's like, you want to play bass? I'm like, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> it was like one of those things. You're just on the phone and you just you change your life. Literally, I'm at work, like making websites all day on computers. And I get a call from Doug and he's like, hey, man, you want to do this? I'm like, all right. Literally like, okay, I'll just, uh, I'll tell my job I'm leaving. I'll tell my apartment I'm, I'm out. You know, it's like, I, it, it was such a, an excitingly turbulent time mm. in my life where I was like, I was willing to just pack up everything just to, to do something I love doing. And like most people would say that's fucking up your life entirely. And I could completely understand that. But I look back now and it's like, yeah, I'm still alive. Everything's, you know, you know, the, there's still, uh, You're still the breathing. roof ain't leaking, <laughs> you know? Well, you got to take, you've got to take those risks. That's the thing. In life, there's always those moments that come up as a risk. Sometimes they're rewarded, but at least you gave it a crack. And, you know, yeah. one thing about terror that I think a lot of kids nowadays that have discovered First Blood probably don't realise, but you were a part of one of that's deemed one of the most pivotal albums in the hardcore, which was one with the underdogs. I mean, that's always... No matter what happened, you you were also part of Always the Hard Way, but you you're only in the liner notes, so technically two albums. Yeah. But um, but we'll leave we'll leave that. Let's get back to um some first blood. So let's That's so good. let's get yeah. back let's get back to the some stuff that I I think first blood like for me I discovered you guys on the EP because um it was in one of my local CD stores because I. I'm of the old school like yourself that I discovered music either through magazines or by through looking through the inlay, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And I discovered that EP, but the album, California, wow. I mean, out of, no, out of nowhere, everyone in my little circle, I didn't have a big circle of friends, was just raving about you guys. It felt like out of nowhere you guys just kind of skyrocketed up the ranks and your sound which was aggressive as fuck heavy as fuck on the ep suddenly you guys sounded like you were out for blood on that entire album and what what was that like with the reception because it from the outside it looked like you guys suddenly everyone knew about you did it feel like that at the time um yeah, I mean it's it's a weird thing. Like, I mean, because it's we'd all been in a whole bunch of local bands, and we'd all had been in a bunch of you know just trying to start up and play music all growing up, and you do it for fun, and you do it like there really is like you feel you feel this rush when you're doing it. And, uh, you know, you put your, your heart into the songs and the music and, and it's something that most people don't, it's all, especially people outside of like hardcore that they, they don't understand why you do it. And, and even when you're amongst your peers, like they don't, they can't, you know, there's just an attachment you you have to your own music that, that when you write it and you, and you put it together, that's like what you feel. And it's hard for other people to, to relate to that same feeling. Mm. you know no matter how close you are with other bands and stuff like that so that's that's a thing you know but like 
if I look back to like when we, you know, when we all started touring and and dudes left to tour in other bands and then we, you know, then I ended up touring with those dudes for a while. It's like, fuck yeah, I look back and that was a great fucking time. Like, no, no, no matter what, like how anything ended or split or whatever, it's like, it was a fucking great time. But touring and seeing like, seeing like, uh, you know, a different side of like being in a band is like, it definitely, I'm not saying for better or for worse, good or bad or talking shit or talking like, you know, uh, you know, trying to like, uh, you know, uh, I don't even know how to say the word like Start shit just for whatever it is. It's no, I'm not, not even starting shit or, or to just, uh, it, it's just like, it changes you the way you see things like the way you see, like it's, it, it's gives you a different perspective definitely yeah it's different and i'm not saying it's bad or or good it's just it's just different so it's like when you're, you're doing like now you're on tour and it's becoming like a machine where you're focusing on like you know where you sleep where you eat where you shower like the kids you deal with that day to to get the show on is the show going to be on is uh you know and then uh it becomes like a different sort of mindset that was way different from when we didn't do the grind and we weren't on tour all the time. And we're not worrying about like where we're going and how we're going to get there. And are we going to fucking make it? Is the van going to fucking break down? Are we going to get there and kids are going to fucking hate it, you know, or is the show going to get shut down? It's like, it definitely, it definitely would change your, your perspective on like how you look at being in a band. So after like we had been, you know, we've been touring with like at the time was me and Doug were on tour with Terror for like almost I don't know two and a half years or something like that. I was like, that's a long grind from going around the U.S. I don't know how many times and then overseas. It's like I knew I had in the back of my mind I wanted First Blood to be my thing because it's like like I was saying like the connection like when you're writing your own stuff and you're kind of like owning your own production. It's like yeah, that that's what I wanted to do but it was way different from when we had put the demo out and we weren't sort of like, like tainted by the the everyday of being on the road and you're dealing with more than just like the writing and the, and the, and the lyrics and the, the energy of the show. Like you're dealing with like, like keeping a fucking unit together and keeping the van on the road and making sure the engine doesn't fall out of the fucking bottom of the van kind of, you know, you're dealing with like, other stresses that kind of fuck with your head you know and so when california came out we're, we're kind of like out there to do it it's like i wasn't thinking about like fuck yeah i just want to get this you know of course i was psyched to be out with with the band it's our first record like full length kind of thing and we have support with people helping us book tours and get this record out there and it uh it, it probably gave like what you yeah like what you're saying is is the reality that people who don't really understand what it's like being in a band started to maybe not necessarily not make you enjoy anything anymore but it suddenly took more of an importance over the simplicity of just writing music and performing music sometimes yeah exactly mm-hmm. exactly and but i mean it's also it raises like a sensitivity level to like you kind of like it's almost like these sensors go off like 
you lick your finger and you put it up in the air and it starts to like detect more of the negative things that mm. you weren't aware of before you know so it's like i mean i appreciated that kids liked the record when it came out because for that time it was just raw sort of like mosh but with more of like on the metallic edge mm. of where we were taking it but there was definitely kids who didn't like it there's like you should have just did songs like your demo yeah and I was like, you know, it was definitely like that's when you start to to be sensitive to like the shit that's out there. It's like, mm. okay, it's like you want to tour and have kids play to kids who are like who want to hear it, but that's not the reality all the time. You're going out and you're putting yourself out there to kids who just want to fucking step on it. And that that's that's the thing that when I look back of all the fun and all the drive and all the the passion of like putting your stuff together it's like when you when you get when you get that thing out there and and you're trying to do it as like a full-time thing and grind out on tour it's like you open up i sort i guess you open up the gates to like literally just like a masses of people who just want to shit on it yeah you know and i think I, so it's weird that and yeah. do, do you do you find that now that um social media is bigger is a thing now really because when that came out in 2006 i think really the only thing was myspace maybe but um yeah do you find that you guys are still got those keyboard warriors or those unnecessary negativity or is that just a thing that was going on at that time is you know does it still come around do you guys still cop it yeah of course i think it's much much worse now but i think at the same time it's like it's been going on for so long that it's hard for me to remember what it was like when I gave a shit <laughs> about it. It's become, you know, it's become a, part of life now. Yeah. It's like, at first, like I, you know, when we were out there, like I wanted to make kids happy. I wanted to give them what they wanted and I wanted to be likable. And you know, you kind of, you, you kind of want to like be an ambassador for the band and the message and like what you're trying to represent. And I don't want to embarrass it and blah, blah, blah. And then, the more you go and the more you fuck up and the more you encounter just, you know, people who, you know, I guess people just troll in the band. It's like you get to the point where it's like, you got to let you just, it's, it's, it's inevitable. Like you're just going to run into this shit. And it took me a long time to adjust to that. And like, now it's, it's just far beyond the point where I gave a shit about that. Cause you know that there's, it's just going to be like that anywhere you go anyway so it's like i don't give a shit about that anymore so it's like yeah i guess there's keyboard warriors out there i just don't know where they are anymore because i just don't i don't pay attention to it yeah fuck yeah that's the way to roll though that's the way to do it now a a question question about during that time um you you guys now is this right what i heard during that time you guys became renowned as a very violent band live and it wasn't necessarily you guys it was what was going on in the pit that, like, just fights would fucking sprawl out and the mosh pit was deemed dangerous. And was this going on or is this just one of those rumours that's escalated since 2006 and it's like, you know, it's like the um, Loch Ness Monster kind of thing? <laughs> no, that def- we definitely had our share of, uh, you know, shows that were, I don't know, shut down and dude fighting and it was just yeah it was just part of the i mean it wasn't the band running out there and smashing people with 
baseball bats while we're playing it. <laughs> Let me get that straight, you know? And I'd, I'd always say when I get on stage two, like, you got to understand, like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know, I don't even know how to, what do you guys do in pounds or kilos out there? It's like, kilos, yeah. I was always, I'd be like the skinniest dude, you know, and skinniest you're, vegan straight edge typical. Yeah, you're a peaceful, straight-edge vegan who's not inciting violence, but violence is happening in front of him. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's well. I mean, I don't. I don't. You got. It's like a, it's a mixed bag because when you could look at the old bios of the band, it's like we literally would sit back and talk. It's like, okay, we're all, you know, predominantly straight-edge dudes. I think you know we we're all vegetarian, and I was. I've been vegan for a long time, and. And it's like when you, it's like when you you think about bands like they they, there's how many bands out there you see like black metal bands that talk about like you know being Vikings or slaughtering <laughs> princesses and cannibal corpse talking about retarded shit you know it's like it's it's like it's it's a, it, I guess it's a form of ex- expression and you're mm-hmm. kind of like you're you be able to say things and create things that are just like not typical in normal life. You know, obviously I'm mm. not going to go out there and advocate, you know, strapping grenades around your fucking waist and then forcing <laughs> everyone to be vegan or I'm going to blow up this Burger King. You know, it's like, it's, it's not like I don't advocate that obviously, you know, but it's like, it gives you being in a band like this and it's heavy and, People take. I think people will take a message a lot differently when it's delivered in a more aggressive manner. Let's put it that way. And yeah. it's and it's in a setting where people are feeling the vibe, and the show isn't necessarily the band. It's like what the fuck's going on in the room at the time, and there's people bouncing off the walls and shits falling down, and people are kind of scared. You know, well, exactly. Like <laughs> and 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 I think people that don't understand is that. People go, oh, they're, you know, they're dancing like idiots in that mosh pit. But at the end of the day, it's their form of expression. It's their outlet. Um, and unfortunately, if a fight sprawls out, that's no one's fault but the gentleman involved in the fight. Um, it's not your fault. Exactly. Um, well, if, if people can pay money to buy tickets to go to a hockey game or a fucking rugby game or an American football game, and there's literally people breaking their legs, getting their ankles twisted in half, or, you know, even dudes getting their neck broken and not able to walk again, or getting in fights, you know, because of a fucking penalty, or how can you sit back and be like, oh my God, these people are just so violent at these, these <laughs> hardcore shows. I'm like, well, the same thing goes for your fucking uh, footy match too. Okay, this this dude's not gonna walk again, and he was just trying to put a ball over another line. Yeah. So how can you criticize kids who just want to go out and sing along a song, and some dude breaks his arm doing a stage dive because all he was trying to do was jump from the stage to the floor? You know, it's like it's you know whatever. It's all part of the the production, the part of the vibe, the part of the community, like. I don't need to explain that to kids who know it, you know, but exactly. it's, it's for people who don't know it's this is what, this is what we do. And this is like when, you know, and we, we wanted to have the band talk about something. Yeah. I was talking about veganism and straight edge and I guess hardcore at the time, you know, still kind of do, but, 
Now, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. No, you're I'm going you're, off on tangents. You hey, know? you're sweet, Carl. Like, hey, man, it's <laughs> it's um, it's a whole idea is we just you know chat shit and you know yeah. it's all good. Now, an interesting thing for me is um, one I wanted to ask is um, one of the reasons I love hardcore is that people use it as a platform to say something. Um, they can, they don't always have to say something with purpose or meaning, but something that you've always done with First Blood is you've always um, saying it's political. I don't think's fair enough. I think you're you're giving social awareness um, to the listener, whether they take that on board or not is their decision. But was that something that you set out to do from the offset, or is that something just through time and through years of writing music that has become what it is um i don't think that's why we started the band and and i don't think that was what i wanted to do as a direction when we started i think i preferred to be more like metaphorical like when we started to keep it sort of like open to interpretation like suffocate would be a song and if you ask me in most simplest terms what's that song about on our demo i'd be like um it's about smoking and when people smoke they suffocate to death (laughs) you know (laughs) next song is drown what do you think that one's about (laughs) you know it's a metaphor for alcoholism and drinking yourself dead you know Mm. so like i guess there was more but people would come up to suffocate hey is that song about uh christianity is that song about god and jesus i'm like no Wow, but it's pretty interesting. You think about that because it was it left it open to people mm-hmm. to decide what they wanted it to be about for them. Yet I knew clearly in my head what I was writing about. I guess later on, after California and into like our second record, like I definitely became more, you know, more clear about what I was talking about, and and um, I definitely like made them the angle of the band a little bit more uh social, I don't know, social mattered yeah yeah it, i mean but i think i think that's that is what it is and one another question i had was um i i, I love that you're straight edge and vegan i think it's i think it's mad love and respect i've been sober from drugs for nearly 10 years i've recently for about a year and a half been off alcohol i was vegan for nearly five years so i have a mass amount of respect um for you for that and i wanted to ask what what made you um become straight edge and vegan was it you just opened your eyes to the information and then you discovered that was what you wanted to do or was there a a moment for you um, I mean, a, a lot of it was influenced, I guess, about, you know, the, the people around me, like the people I trusted, like, uh, when I was growing up, my sister was into Morrissey and, and, um, uh, and other people I knew who were vegetarian and tended to be more in like the hippie, the hippie vibe, mm. you know, and I, and that, that didn't like ring with me when I was younger. You know, like I, I couldn't relate to someone with like dreadlocks and playing bongos and stuff. <laughs> and I'm not talking shit. I'm just saying that's just not what I was into metal music. And I, I played sports. I was like in this clash of worlds that was like different from like the typical peaceful, 
you know, hippie vegetarian stereotype that every, you know, like what that people had at the time, maybe they still do. But for me, it's like, you know, like none of my friends are vegetarian. My family wasn't vegetarian. And, you know, when you, when they make fun of a vegetarian, I, you know, they call them some stupid hippie or something like that. And that kind of rubs off when you're growing up and it's a stigma that keeps you away from it. Unless you actually meet people who are vegetarian and vegan, which I did like when I left uh, Long Island, you go away to college and it's where a lot of people, you know, discover new things. And, you know, I, I met people who were vegetarian and vegan who knew how to cook and they actually cooked things that tasted good and was, and they'd say, well, it's healthy for you. Like, why would you put shit in your body? Like, you know, they sort of, I guess, and there's more of the, not the peace loving hippy dippy vibe, but the people who are like militant vegan, like, yeah, why would you put shit in your body and very intense people? And, you know, you're meeting people who would like, you know, the kind of, you're going from the hippie vibe to like, you know, I'll fucking burn this factory farm to the ground kind of vibe. I'm like, whoa, 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 this is, this, I've never seen this. What is, what is this? You know? And it was, yeah, I mean, it's, and then a lot of the shows I went to were, were in Syracuse and then you're, you know, Earth Crisis, obviously one of my favorite bands. And then you see the vibe there. And I was like, holy fuck. Mm. Like, this is not what I, this is like, it opened my eyes differently to vegetarianism because it's like, I would think at the time it was like, they were super extreme. Like you got songs like ultra militants and new ethic. And they were like vegan straight edge, like to the core, like, but a lot of people said it was so extreme. And I got to admit at the time for me, it's like, this is way extreme for me. This is like, this is me being exposed to it for the first time. But then when you think when I think like, okay, maybe if they weren't so extreme about it, I probably wouldn't have, I would, it, it wouldn't have like reached, it wouldn't have made it to me, you know, if it was more peaceful and less, uh, less, uh, uh, what's the word for like, oh, relaxed. being like, uh, La- lazy. flamboyant. Oh, um, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Um, over the top, maybe is a simple way of saying it. Yeah. If it, yeah. It was so over the top that the branches were able to reach out to more people, I mm. guess. And, and it found me and I, it was, it was a mindset that was, or just like, like a vibe that I could relate to more. And then, you know, when you, we'd meet the guys later on in life and we tour with the dudes and it's like, you know, they're not like, it's not, the vibe has obviously changed, I think with them and maybe the scene in general. But at the time it was, uh, it just something that combined with like one of my, my first girlfriend in, in college was vegetarian. And when you sit down and talk with someone who gets you reading books and then you actually learn about why people are vegetarian and like, that's when it hit me. It's like, okay, this was my time for me to learn on my own why I would become vegetarian and vegan. Like, I think I was, I was told to be vegetarian too many times. And it's like, you can never do something just because you're told to do it. And like, for me, it's like, I found out why I wanted to do it and that's how I got into it. And then definitely the music and the bands and like the vegan straight edge, sort of the hardcore mentality of it all. Like it just, it just, it just, uh, I could relate to it more than anything else. It got anything else at the time that was exposing me to vegetarianism, I guess, you know? So that, it was, it's hard to, you know, I, I didn't get into it because I wanted to, 
you know, uh, save the planet. Yeah. Like, or liberate a, a fur farm. Like, <laughs> you know, like there was, you know, and, and I'm not talking, you know, I'm not talking shit, but it was like, it's, it's just the, the balance of extremes from like, you know, the ALF crowd to like the hippy dippy bongo crowd. It was, it was like, it was such like a, for me, Polar it's like, it, just, it was, it was just a, I found like, a, I sound like a fucking dummy. No, but not at all. Not at all. The whole, the whole spectrum was exposed to me at the time. And I found my way in the middle of that spectrum, somewhere in between, you know, that those extremes is what, what got me hooked into it. And then I was able to, you know, long story short, I, I read everything I could, you know, at the time and, and, uh, how many years have you been uh, vegan now? Can you remember? Um, well, I met my, I met my girlfriend at the time, like it was 96. Wow. I was sick. One vegetarian. Yeah. So it's been about, I would say about 20 years, like wow. since I, you know, started really getting into it. And then, and I, I could remember being like, yeah, um, this is fuck. I can't believe I never started. You feel earlier. like people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why did I not, why didn't anyone tell me about this? Like, why don't they give books to kids in school growing up about this kind of stuff? And well, I think that's the other yeah. thing is, and like you said, once you, you know, like I know from experience, once you know how to cook with things, it everything can taste fine. Yeah, you know, it doesn't necessarily look good. Sometimes what you make looks like fucking shit, looks like vomit, but um, but it ends up tasting good. Now, speaking of books, I've got to recommend one. I don't know if you've heard it, and it's a vegan one, which I've got at home, which is called Eat Like You Give a Fuck. <laughs> Sounds good. You got to get that one, man. Oh, yeah. It's a cookbook, and it's got the swear words in it. It's all vegan recipes. Um, I've still got it from when I was vegan for nearly five years. So I really recommend that one, man. Get that fucking cookbook. Sick. I feel like I've heard it, and I, I have to. I will definitely uh, scope it out. Now that I've rediscovered Amazon, I can actually have books sent to me because <laughs> I, I can't do it on my phone. I can't read that on my phone. I, I'm sorry, but eat like you give a fuck. I will definitely pick that up. Now, uh, um, yeah. before we wrap up, I just got a quick last question, and that is with you know I under I understand through you know what I've read and seen that. There was that big period between Silence's Betrayal and Rules because life took its time to come into play. And that included yeah. your son, which Rules is dedicated to. And mm -hmm. I was wondering, was there ever a thought in that seven years that First Blood was maybe not going to be a priority anymore and maybe it would drop back? Um, because since Rules has come out, you guys... You know, it seems like touring is more when you want to do it, but you're still touring. It's just you're doing it more in Europe. You're doing very minimal American shows. Is is everything back on track? Are we back? First Blood's going to do another album in a couple of years, or is it just, yeah, we're going to take it easy. Life's a bit more important now. Does that make sense? Because I kind of rambled that question, if that makes sense. No, that that makes sense, one hundred percent. Yeah, there was definitely a time where I thought First Blood was done, mm. like I couldn't focus it on on it at all anymore. You know, life and you know, you know, my definitely like adjusting to 
to having a son and being in a country where I don't speak the language and people are different and there's no hardcore here like us. It's just a, a way different vibe. And, um, I definitely thought it was done. Yeah. For a while I couldn't, I couldn't think straight. I couldn't focus on writing. I didn't have the time and the means to, and you know, any sort of like place I could go to just focus on writing. Like I had, I had to deal with like life, you know, mm. but, uh, I had some people reach out to me and just be like, yo, what are you doing? You're just like, you're wasting it away or you're gonna half-ass it. What are you doing? And, um, you know, so they were able to hook up the means for me to get out of town for a little while and write a record and record it and pretty much like pick it back up again. And that's when I, when I was able to see that, you know, I, I obviously still wanted to do it and I was able to write a whole record and, you know, in a fairly short amount of time, if I was just, uh, you know, given that push, I was like, I have to learn how to, to reignite that, like pushing myself to do it again. So coming from like a seven year break to putting out a record and now I'm pretty much out of town, like on tour, like more this year than I've probably been in, you know, in all, I don't know, the past seven years combined, if you think about it, Mm. I think it's pretty safe to say like, yeah, we're, we're on track again. And, you know, we're going to, you know, I I can't guarantee anything, but the next, you know, there's, there's going to be a next record in my head. Not, not seven years. Yeah. No, not, not seven years. (laughs) Already. Already talking about trying to do something for next year. Ooh, you know? nice. Fuck yeah. So, but I mean, it's like 2020 is 10 years of silence, of betrayals. You know, I've already got plans in my head for, you know, tours and anniversary stuff. And I had an idea in my head for the next record already, exactly what I want it to be about. But maybe I want to rethink that because, uh, you know, when you, when you're able to look back at all the years of doing this and like, did you really bring people together or did you just find ways to just keep ripping people apart? Like I want to, I want to make sure that, uh, you know, for the sake of the band, like the legacy and everything, like I want, I want it to be remembered as something that in the end, after all the shit and the mistakes and the bullshit, like I want it to be remembered as something that was, you know, it was a decent effort. Yeah, trying to mm. trying to like bring if it's not just people, if it's like awareness or mindset or something, trying to bring something together. Like that's that's what I want the band to be remembered by. Yeah, fuck yeah. You know, after all the bullshit, after everything that's fucked up all over the years, like that's what I want the band to be remembered by. So like I wanna make sure this next one is something that uh you know that uh leaves a mark. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. n- rules was our step back into it again, and uh, you know I'm happy with it, and I'm glad we did it. You know, but uh, I feel like I uh, I didn't say everything. So, Ooh, nice. we're, we're, yeah, we're gonna be. Well, at the very least, I'll be working on some new, you know, some new stuff, and hopefully it'll be out. 
in far less than seven years, that's for sure. But we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed for seven months. When we do that, we'll, we'll, we'll do seven, but seven months. Um, <laughs> now, before I let you go, I've got one last segment. It's called, okay, pick, right. it's called Pick Your Poison. Now, it's really easy. Oh, my God. Now, ho- right. hopefully it's easy. So you get two choices, and some will be simple, some hard, and you just say whichever one would be the one you'd stick with for the rest of your life kind of thing. All right? Oh, shit. Okay. Right. The pressure's on now. All okay, right. the pressure's on. Now, the first one is, of course, the vegan options of it. Would it be pizza or burger? Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, I'll do pizza. Okay. Cooking or dining out? I like cooking. I'll do that. Mad props there. Beach or snow? I like big puffy camel jackets, so I'm going to go snow. <laughs> okay. I fucking hate the heat, to be honest. It's too Roll, hot for me. Rollerblading or skateboarding? Jesus Christ, is that a... <laughs> you listen to... <laughs> do, you, do you listen to Bill Burr? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> it took one joke to ruin rollerblading forever. <laughs> I, uh... I've never had a pair of rollerblades on in my entire life, okay. to be honest, so uh, I'll, I'll go skateboarding. You, you don't need to. I don't think so. You're not missing out on anything. Um, mm. Cat or dog? <laughs> I'm a cat guy, to be honest. Okay, now the ne- next sorry, one. Sorry, sorry. No, no, no. That's fine. <laughs> no need to say sorry. Um, next one is a simple one. I'm, I'm suspecting anyone that knows where first blood came from. Rambo or Rocky? Oh my God, Rambo, one hundred and fifty-nine percent. Do you think we're getting Rambo five? I think that's happening, isn't it? It's in production right now, as far oh, as I know. Yeah. If you follow the old Sly blogs, yeah, I guess they've been working on it for a while. Okay, next. There's uh, not many left. We've got a couple left. Terminator or Predator? Oh, fuck. That's a tough one. Um, oh, fuck. That's tough. Terminator 2 was... Fuck. That was a great movie. Terminator, I mean, uh, the first two Predators were fucking awesome. Yeah, and then it went to shit. Uh, holy shit. The first Terminator was that. That's all right. Terminator 2 was awesome, but like the first two Predators, I could, if anyone said, hey, do you want to watch them tonight? There would, I'd be like, yes, of course. <laughs> Sounds like you just made uh, up your mind there. I, I guess it's Predator. Okay. Yeah. Freddy or Jason? Oh, fuck. They both scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Yeah, same. I, w- I would say Freddy. Okay. Because Jason was scary in movies. Like, I couldn't watch. That shit would scare me, but, like, Freddy would keep me awake at night. Okay, and this, so. one, this one's quite a funny one because I think everyone just gives the same answer. MacGyver or Walker, Texas Ranger? Oh my god, MacGyver was my shit. <laughs> he was, wasn't he? I want not only did I want to be smart like MacGyver, I wanted his 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 hair. Oh, so oh, pa- uh, party up the back all the time like that hair. Yes, yeah. 
he, he, he had he had party in the back, but like it wasn't business in the front, you know. It was something else. So he had he had something cool going on on both sides. That's me as a kid thinking that way. I don't know. I, I can't think remember was, what his hair looked like. Now. I think it was very refined, refined at the front. It was very smart. It was you know very very well done. Wow, I'm getting deep yeah. in MacGyver. Didn't think that would happen. Um, okay, last couple: Metallica or Megadeth. Metallica, Jesus. Slayer or Pantera? Oh, uh, fuck. Sorry, Slayer, but I was way more of a Pantera guy, to be honest. Okay. Um, Sabbath or Van Halen? Uh, Sabbath. Madball or Sick of It All? That's, I, that's, that's too difficult to, to call. Oof. I can't. We'll call can't, that, we'll call that one, one a draw. We'll call that one a draw. That's... That's a definite draw, yeah, for sure. Now, last couple, touring or recording? Oh fuck! Uh, Jesus, that's a tough one, man. Um, I love recording, but it's stressful as shit. Um, touring, touring's a good time. I'll go with touring. Okay. Mosh pit or up the back watching? <laughs> uh, if you talk to 22-year-old Carl, it would be, it would be, uh, it would be A. If you're talking <laughs> to 40s-year-old Carl, it's, uh, it's B. Okay. Now, last one, CD or vinyl? Vinyl. Yeah, fuck yeah. Vinyl, vinyl, vinyl. Yeah. Um, Carl, dude, thank you so much for chatting, man. Fuck yes. Like Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks for uh for reaching out. It was a good talk, man. I'm glad uh I'm glad we did it. So that was my chat with Carl of First Blood. Thank you again, dude. Really, really appreciated it. Epic chat, great chat. Really look forward to catching up when you're in the country soon. I'll make sure I hit you up and let's get that meal that we spoke about. Really looking forward to it. And of course, guys, if you've yet to delve into First Blood's discography, what are you waiting for? Get online, get to your record store and support one of the best hardcore bands you possibly could. That is it for the Mosh Zone episode 30, volume 30, week 30. We are done for this week. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you had a great time listening. If you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back for more episodes in future weeks. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in. Always appreciate and always love your support that you guys give us. This week, if you've got some free time, help us out by sharing the podcast on your social medias. Share it on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let your friends know about the podcast. Help us spread the word. Your help is invaluable to the Mosh Zone growing. So that's it for the show. Thank you again. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the perch.